Jackson Artist presents The Fight. Next thing I know, it was uh, Yusuf Kelly mm-hmm. comes running by me with uh, Woody Telford's helmet. He, uh, he ran right by me, mm-hmm. and he threw it into the stands, uh, somewhere around the 10-yard line on the Clemson sideline, uh-huh. uh, close to the hill. And me being the equipment manager, I was like, hey, that's a piece of equipment. I need to get that back. So I'm standing there, and I'm about, you know, I'm right at the wall, and I'm just kind of like looking at these people, and I'm saying, hey, you know, throw that down. And surprisingly, they're doing it. And so it's coming down row by row by row. It gets to about the second row or so, and this guy kind of shoots like a free throw with the helmet, like, and it's coming right at me. Uh-huh. Both my hands up, and I'm about to catch it, and I get hit in the back of the head with a fist. And I turn around, yeah. And I turn around, and it's uh, <laughs> it's Justin Miller and Leroy uh-huh. Hill staring me in the face. And I turn around, and the the helmet's on the ground, and it's you know three feet from my feet, and it's three feet from their feet, maybe even closer than that. And Justin Miller and I are just staring each other in the in the eyes. And I'm like, well, I'm bigger than you, but I'm not bigger than Leroy Hill. And y'all are both covered in pads. What are y'all waiting for? Take the damn thing. And they picked it up, ran off, and, and took off. And after I got hit, I was like, I think I'm going to go back over to my sideline where nobody's going to try to attack me. That old Western stare down happened to Jonathan Dupree, a South Carolina equipment manager who was on the Clemson sideline when the fight broke out. Like any good Western, the odds weren't good. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves again. We are Langston Moore, Preston Thorne, and Josh Kelly. Langston and Preston both play on the defensive line for South Carolina, and Preston was a senior on that 2004 team. Langston was in his second year with the NFL's Cincinnati Bengals by then, and together they now own athletes and artists. Josh has covered the South Carolina football team for a decade and now works for The Athletic and will narrate most of this podcast. If you missed episodes one through four, be sure to go back and listen to those to help understand how we got to this moment in time to one of the biggest brawls in modern football history. We'll warn you here that there is some adult language in this episode. This is episode five of The Fight. It's November 20th, 2004 in Clemson's Memorial Stadium. Across the country that day, unranked Ohio State would beat number seven Michigan, and unranked Florida would beat number 10 Florida State. But the only game the people of the Palmetto State really cared about was happening between two unranked teams in Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson's Yusef Kelly didn't see the fight coming, he said, but he didn't like the way the game was going that day. Like many of the people we talked to, he felt like the officiating crew let the players go too far without throwing flags through three quarters. I was seeing people get spit on, which was in in my you know five years of being involved in that series, I had never seen that before. Like I was like, okay, like these dudes go to, and now granted, it was it was from both sides. For sure. And and in my mind, I'm like, wait, man, these dudes going a little too far now. Like this ain't the normal trash talking and you know just pushing people. Like I was seeing people get, you know, hit below the belt and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, in my in my mind, I'm still thinking, it's just the game. <laughs> like, right. Like right. Like still, I'm thinking they're going overboard this year, but you know. Right. No inclination of what was to come. South Carolina offensive lineman Chris White remembers Gamecock's assistant coach, Jappy Oliver, being upset at the officials and remembers Gamecock's quarterback, Savelle Newton, stirring the pot with the Tigers. I remember it was a lot of, it was a lot of dirty stuff going on that game. I remember 
um, I remember, I think it was Jappy. I think Jappy was yelling at the referees about something all game. It, it, was, it was a lot of dirty stuff going on. So you just had that feeling something was going to pop off before that game it felt ended. Like it. Yeah, because I know it was a lot of shoving. Um, I think Savelle was running his mouth a lot. So a lot of those guys didn't like because he was talking trash to them. But you can just tell it was something was going to happen that game. It did with five minutes and 56 seconds left in the fourth quarter. South Carolina trailed Clemson 29-7 and faced 4th and 11 from the Tigers' 35-yard line. The game was essentially over, but Holtz decided to go for it rather than wave the white flag. Newton drops back to pass and is quickly under heavy pressure. He scrambles out of trouble but throws low and incomplete to Matthew Thomas as several Clemson defensive linemen converge on him. If you haven't seen the fight or haven't seen it recently, it's easy to find on YouTube and now might be a good time to go back and familiarize yourself with it. The television copy doesn't show exactly what happened to Newton after the pass fell incomplete, but everyone on the field agrees that Clemson defensive lineman Bobby Williamson gave Newton an extra something after the play. Whether it was a hand on the face or a knee to the neck differs with the telling. What is clear is that that little going away present ignited a powder keg. South Carolina offensive lineman Jabari Levy. Uh, I was going against Gaines Adams, who was like the top uh, rusher. <clears throat> he did a speed rush. You know, I kick back, try to run on wide, try to come back inside. I, uh, you know, push them inside. I'm still blocking. And uh, um, I think the right defensive end or D-tackle, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but he sacks Savelle. Um, so the play was over. <clears throat> and uh, I, know I was going to Savelle to help him up off the ground. And uh, me and Chris White, who was the center at the time, we was going to help Savelle up. And the guy who sacked him, he got up and he like, like kicked him. He like kicks the like, like in the head, like, like, oh, look at the ref, like, yo, he kicked him. And like the ref just like, you know what I mean? They weren't paying like this, you know, they weren't hearing us or anything. And uh, I just remember me and Chris White, like we got to that guy at the same time. And like, <laughs> I think Chris White had like grabbed him up top. And I just saw his stomach was just wide open. So I started, you know, I punched him in the stomach. And I mean, Chris White, we go about it back and forth all the time. We threw the first punch. He said he did. I said I did. But it was just like in the heat of the moment, it was craziness. Like we were coming off the field, defense coming on, their uh, defense going off, their offense coming on. So it was just a, a lot going on. Um, and while me and C. White on the guy who kicked um, Savelle, like one of their defensive line came and like hit me from the back. I fell down. I got up, and it was just like chaos. It was just chaos. Everything was going on. I think the dude uh, Justin Miller, who it was a it was a bunch of stuff going. On. I went after him, and then uh, I remember Taki came and Matt Teasy. There was just a big standoff, and uh, it was just like somebody like pushed me. I pushed some other guy. I tackled some guy. And then I was uh, one of the de uh, defensive linemen, um, a big dude. Like, I ran, and I think I jumped on him. Clemson wide receiver Reese Curry acknowledges that the first quote-unquote blow of the fight was struck by a Tiger. Right as he's getting ready to get up, before Savelle gets up, he drops a knee in his neck. And, oh, man, that said it all. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't remember who it was for y'all, but once he dropped that knee in Savelle's neck, Somebody rushed him. When he rushed, you know, somebody rushed him. Some of the players from the defense rushed him. Then sidelines cleared out, and that's when it all started. <laughs> 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 that's, 
that's when it all started. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of on the sideline. I'm just watching this thing go down. I'm just like, because I didn't run out there. I was just looking at it going out. And I sat there and watched it from like, you're gone. 50-yard line all the way to the end zone. At one point, I did run out there kind of like on the numbers. And I don't remember who it was, but I, I took a swing at somebody, but I don't I don't remember um, exactly who it was. I mean, there was no connection or anything like that. When White and Levy go after Clemson's defensive linemen, the football code of brotherhood that we talked about in Episode 4 kicked in. That bond is especially strong among offensive linemen. South Carolina's Freddie St. Preux saw Newton go down and then remembers mostly chaos. He goes down, and I guess one of their defensive linemen who tackled him gets up and kicks him in the head. And obviously, C. White, number 60, my my roommate at the hotel at that time, goes goes out there and sees that (laughs) and defends our quarterback. So while, I guess it was a third down play because people were coming off the sidelines, you know, so while special teams were getting onto the field and I guess people were trying to break up that little altercation, it just, it got out of hand. It got so out of hand. I mean, I can't even tell you how, like, I can't even tell you after that that kick to Savelle's head, I can't tell you where people came from. It just, they came from everywhere. It got bad. I mean, it got to the point where, I know for me, I was trying to run around and look, like, making sure teammates were straight, like, making sure my teammates were okay. You know, there was one time where, I think it was Coleman, their running back. Um, he grabbed the helmet and he hits uh, Charles Silas, um, our defensive end at the time, on the back of the head. And Charles just saw red and ran at them in Clemson territory. Mind you, we're all over the place. You know, I see that, and I, I think Woody Telford at the time sees that also. And Woody goes down there to go. The fence, the fence, Charles, and I'm running down there as well. And I guess he grabs on the players and goes down in a chokehold. And once he went down in Clemson territory, it got bad. So I dove in there and kind of just pushed everybody out the way and grabbed them out of that that little pileup. And I felt like that was the really the only serious thing that I really did, you know. But I. But after seeing the footage, I guess, of the film of what happened, because they suspended me for that game. So you guys, you were one of the ones, that got, one of the ones that got suspended for Okay. Me. And I think the reason being is because I, I pushed the officer out the way. But I didn't realize I did that. I, mean, I was just trying to get everybody out the way to get to, to my teammate. Here's Levy again. Craziest fight of all time that I've ever witnessed, yeah. that I've been a part of. Like, it was just, it was crazy. Like, it was... Yeah, indescribable, man. It was like people, everybody had this crazy look in their eyes. It was just like everybody was out of control. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, it was, yeah. At any point, <clears throat> at any point during it, did you ever think like, yo, this is, this might get out of, this is out of control. This might go, yeah. this might go wild. Yeah, and, and, and that's what, that was my thought. I was like, they don't have to cancel because I think, <clears throat> I don't remember how much time was left in the game, but it was like, there's no way we're going to be able to finish this game. Like, I don't see how they're going to get it to where we can finish this game because everybody was just, 
football was out of it was, it was, like football was out of nobody's mind. Like we were in hostile territory, and it was just people running around screaming like "Whoa!" You know what I mean? It was it was crazy. It was crazy, man. Like so, football was like the last. Thing. It was more about protecting each other. You know, um, like let's get out of here safe. Like it was just it was craziness going on, man. Like. And it was just brawls all around. The linemen involved in the initial fray didn't realize what they had started until they stopped to catch their breath for a moment, White said. Once we got up and seen, you know, down the field what was really going on, I mean, I said, man, somebody's going to get hurt because, I mean, it was guys like the swinging helmets, hitting people without helmets on. I mean, people getting jumped on, stomped on. I, I thought somebody would really get hurt. Kerry Tharp, South Carolina Sports Information Director, had just come to the field from the press box when the fight started. From his viewpoint, it looked like a chain reaction across the field. It wasn't contained. I mean, right. it was, you know, there was a fight. And it looked like maybe they had it under control. The next thing you know, you looked out about 10 or 15 yards, and there's another fight going on, and then another one breaking on, going on, and then the next thing you know, both benches cleared. And right. it, it really got ugly. Uh, you know, helmets were swinging, and, and uh, people were getting kicked uh, you know, on the ground, and it just... You know, it took them probably a good 10 minutes to get it under control. And, you know, the security people, I guess, were trying to do what they could do, but it didn't seem like that there was a... didn't seem like that they got a hold of what was going on in a very quick manner. It yeah. seemed like it just kind of lingered and lasted maybe longer than you would have thought it would. Dan Austin, an assistant strength coach at South Carolina, was on the sideline when the fight broke out. Coaches were powerless in the beginning to stop the fight, he said. It's important to remember when listening to this next part that Austin is a very successful amateur powerlifter. Every time it seemed like things was coming out, there was another fight somewhere else. Right, right. And I just remember me grabbing guys in the back of Jersey. It's like, it's like I had horses and I'm just going. <laughs> and I, I couldn't hold those guys for nothing. I thought I was going to get rid of them. Yeah. I really did because... We couldn't hold nobody back, and every time you turned around, you looked around, there was a fight. Everybody was fighting, and God was on the Clemson sideline, and the end zone, they was back on him. There was, they was everywhere. And you never thought anything was going to end. Right. As a matter of fact, I was in the opinion that the game was going to be canceled. Right. Because the way things was going, and we were, I mean, there were just fights everywhere. South Carolina wide receiver Taki Muhammad was involved in one of those satellite fights. This dude, I forget who he was, he punched the bell in the face on the ground. Mm -hmm. and, and I commend Nashawn and Chris Wright for you protect your quarterback. So they got into it. So when they were getting into it, other people were running on the field. So I'm not going to lie. I was like, yo, it's party time. This is, what you, this is my time to get dancing. One of the factors that led to the quick escalation of the fight was the fact that the play happened on fourth down. Most of the time, when a team's offense is on the field, the defensive players are sitting on the bench resting or talking to position coaches and vice versa. But because there was a potential change of possession on the pivotal play, the South Carolina defensive players and Clemson offensive players were gathered on the sideline watching and ready to take the field. South Carolina defensive lineman Daryl Shropshire thinks some confusion stemmed from that fact. Offense, she had got stopped in the defense. We were running out there. Next day, you know, Clemson cleared the bench, and we were down. They pretty much had the game won, and they, they hold – team charged the field first, you know what I mean? But we were just running defense guy. We were just running on the field because we went for it offensively and we got stopped. So we were just, you know, 
changing from offense to defense, but I guess they thought we was, you know what I'm saying, going to go to a powwow, but after they cleared, they bent. Shit, it was on them. I'm like, hell, we done lost the game. We're going to have to win this damn fight. Shropshire was never one to back down from the physical nature of football. And the game of football is a violent sport anyway. Shit, you trying to attack a person. And, you know, just the way, you know, I thought of it, I get all, all my frustration out within the whistle guideline. You yeah. know, what I've been, you know what I'm saying, what's going on, you know, family, uh, relationship-wise. So I get to go ahead and abuse a motherfucker between the whistles. And I'm trying to take your head off. I mean, that's just my way of thinking, but within the guidelines of the rule. But even he was taken aback by all that happened. That shit was so wild, man. You, I mean, you got people coming from everywhere. You trying to die. You trying to make sure your helmet's still strapped on because them boys were selling a helmet. I mean, they were selling anything they had, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the fight was crazy, man, you know what I'm saying? Because my homeboy, he had just got hurt, old Charles Silas. I'm like, damn, D-line, we were kind of thinned out. So, but I like, man, shit, we got to go to war. And I see my boy Big Wood and Big Fred. Came to the rescue. That thing I know Big Wood started swinging. I started swinging. I seen Big Charles came out that way. He swinging like a couple people out there. He just got undercut. Everybody thought that was me getting knocked out. They seen yeah. the seven. But I remember getting a good lick on, on I think that's Justin Miller they had back then. I got a good lick before he got knocked out from somebody else calling with a help. Thank old Matt Peasy here to call him with that helmet. Here's South Carolina defensive lineman Mo Thompson. We were just running back to go get, get our quarterback from up under that ground. You saw him limping off the ground. You understand what I'm saying? Out of nowhere, I'm getting attacked by the whole offensive line. It's like seven of them. God was with me to get one of their helmets off just to got there swinging around. I didn't swing it at nobody, but amongst protection, amongst, I don't know what, I'm getting tore off. You know what I'm saying? Good thing I had pads on so I could snuff one of them um, helmets off and just start swinging it around to give me protection. I'm not no, right. no, 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 no trying to, you know, beat somebody's head in with a helmet. They try to beat my head in. Kelly understands better than anybody how good intentions can turn into a bad rap. More than anybody involved, he was held up as the symbol of the fight because of a photograph taken of him as his foot approaches the helmetless head of a South Carolina player who is laying on the ground. Kelly, who we will talk more about in the following episode, doesn't dispute that it happened or that it was wrong. He just hopes people understand it doesn't tell the entire story. As we told you in episode one, Kelly's now a police officer. After I see uh, one of our players, you know, push down on Savelle when he was trying to get up and... Of course, like I said, the lineman hit our player. Then somebody, one of our players came in flying and took out that lineman. And then next thing I know, I see um, the South Carolina bench, the players, started running on the field. Mm-hmm. And so our guys started running on the field. And at this time, mind you, I'm like, man, this must. Like, this is my senior year, yeah. and I'm actually still standing on the sideline until um, until I realized all of all of the Carolina players were running onto the field. So, you know, I go out there, and there's a clip out there actually, actually showing me trying to separate people. And, you know, right. and at that time, when I'm trying to separate people, that's when somebody hits me. Now, right. I'm not surprised that this happened because, you know, at this point it is what it is. Right. But I tell people all the time, you know, when I first went on that field, it was to make peace. It was 
me trying to separate people. Yep. And so, I mean, it was just chaos after that. Kelly would not be remembered as a peacemaker, though. Snatched up by the neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stout, okay? Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, wait, wait. I'm, when, I'm, when, you say, when you say pretty stout, what were, you, what, did, what were your measurements when you were playing? Oh, I was, at that time, I was about 234, 235, still with only about 8% body fat. Right. And I was... I was pretty much shaking like a rag doll, taken up off my feet by somebody. Right. All right? <laughs> another another so, monster. Go ahead. Yes. An even bigger monster. Right. A bigger monster. Because <laughs> you know the old saying is, no, no matter how big a person is, there's always somebody bigger. Yep. And, yeah, I, I met that bigger person. All right? So I was snatched up, shaking like a rag doll for a quick second, and... The person that um, had me in the headlock ended up getting hit by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so when he fell, you know, I, and granted, I ain't making, I'm not making any excuses for what I did. All right. So when he fell to the ground, I started punching him in his hand. Yep. And then he started covering up his head. And when he covered up his head, I noticed a helmet off to the side. So I'm like, oh, I got to go get that helmet. So when I got up off of him, you know, my foot met his head. Yep. All right? Uh And there's no excuse for that, but it happened. The monster who picked up Kelly was Woody Telford. Telford is six foot seven inches tall and weighed 325 pounds at the time. Now, when he said he got grabbed up by a monster, it looks like it was you. (laughs) That's what it looks like. I mean, I, 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 the first person I saw, I just came and grabbed him. Absolutely. I, gra- I grabbed him and I took like four people down with me. Right. In the mi- in the mix of in the mix of me going down, uh, I think somebody pulled my helmet and got a nice kick kick in the forehead. So yeah, I mean, if you see the film, you see me getting up and touching my forehead because I got they they got me real nice. Telford's helmet came off in that pileup, and Kelly grabbed it and raced up and down the Clemson sideline, waving it to the Tigers fans. That's the scene that Dupree recounted at the start of this episode. It's impossible to sort out all the details of the fight from the television copies that still are circulating, but you can see Kelly attempt to intervene in a scrum in the end zone and then get lifted by Telford out of the pile, all of which set off another scrum. During our research for this podcast, we heard that an all-22 tape exists, but our best efforts couldn't turn it up. With just the old TV footage to go on, South Carolina wide receiver Matthew Thomas looks like one of the stars of the fight. But that's not exactly how it went, Thomas said. One of the DBs from Clemson helped me up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when he helped me up, I have no recollection, no, no knowledge of knowing that they're down there fighting right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he helped me up, and I hear the fans just going into an uproar. So when I hear the fans going up where I look down at him, I'm seeing my defensive line, I mean my offensive lineman going at it with Clemson defensive line. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Then after right. that, I'm going to shoot, man. Everybody started going at it. So I ran down there and got in it too. Everybody on that field fighting, bro. Everybody was fighting. It was an all-out brawl. People was getting hit with helmets. People was, I mean, it was really going down. But honestly, me, I, I did whatever I did. My little, but I wasn't even involved. Too long yeah. because I was too tired. 
South Carolina's Nashawn Goddard also remembers the fatigue that came with the fight. You have to remember that these players had already played more than three-quarters of football, not to mention an entire season before that, and were expending tremendous amounts of adrenaline and effort in a fight that just went on and on. All I can think about is how the hell do wrestlers do this? Because I, I was so tired, dog. I, in like a 30-second fight, I was blown. And you know, we was in pretty good shape. But I was blown in like 35-second fight. And I'm like, how do wrestlers do this for 10, 15 minutes? But um, it was a little surreal because I never wanted it to go. I never wanted to get in a game fight. like Because we was just talking about how embarrassing that was for the Pistons and the Pacers. And dang, we was the next dudes on the news. From the moment Newton went down until the last players were separated was a full three minutes. South Carolina's Woody Telfer was exhausted. The type of adrenaline uh, uh, rush that was going through my body, I don't think I ever feel that again. Newton was at the start of the fight, but wasn't around to see it finished. He injured his ankle on the play and had to be helped off by trainers while dozens of players around him still were wailing away on each other. So they, the crowd's loud, everybody's getting up, the defense, uh, the defense alignment gets up. The defense alignment, I can't remember his name, my God, but he walked by. He's talking junk in my face, and another one walked by and kicked me. Kicked me, and Chris, I want to say it was Chris White. Chris White saw that happen. And Chris White, my center, doing what he's supposed to do, protecting, protecting his guy. Stepped up, pushed the guy, and you got, so you think about it, you got two offenses, 20, you got two offense, defense on the field, has 22 people, and then you got a defense and offense coming on the field because of changing downs. So now you're sitting there, you got 44 people on the field at one time looking at one push and shove. So, I mean, to me, something was about to happen, and, it, and that's where it started from. It was just a, a kick, push. One push, shove, and then you got all these guys, these guys running. We emotional because we just got beat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we stepping up. Guys, like I said, ain't even been, ain't even touched the field. Most of those guys who got suspended ain't even play. Mm -hmm. I started off in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. See, that, I was coming out, I had a high ankle sprain that game. Okay. I had a high ankle sprain that game, and what happened was they fell on my ankle. So mm -hmm. my ankle got re-injured. Mm -hmm. Re-injured right at, when that, when that happened, because they fell on top of me. So... The only thing I can remember is just worrying about my ankle. Yeah. And they cared. Actually, they 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 was carrying me. I see you get walking. They were walking, carrying me off the field. Like you know, I didn't even wasn't even paying attention to the fight. I was in too much pain. Other people missed the melee too. Maybe the funniest anecdote we got involving the fight came from Troy Williamson. If you remember from episode one, Williamson was being covered by longtime friend and Clemson cornerback Ty Hill when the fight broke out, and they had no intention of fighting. At the time, Williamson was a junior who had the option of entering the NFL draft early, and he hadn't announced what his plans for the following season were. So South Carolina assistant coach Rick Stockstill thought it would be a good time to chat about it. I stepped back and I just looked, and then Coach Stock ended up, ended up grabbing me, Coach Stockstill at the time, a receiver coach. Yeah. And, he, and we had a whole conversation about everything else instead of the fight. So he asked me, <laughs> what was the conversation about? But he was asking me, like, am I going to leave? If I'm, am I leaving early? Uh, <laughs> this would be the good time to ask you this question, sure. right? So he was just asking me, like he said, "So, are you leaving school?" I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm I think I'm gonna be up out of here." And he was just talking about, you know, how you know, take care of your money, uh, make smart decisions, and just do things of that sort. Work hard. We had a whole conversation. So that's one reason why I didn't even even get involved in the fight was because we, we was having a conversation about everything else. South Carolina equipment manager Chris Matlock wanted no part of it either. Oh, then all of a sudden it started becoming the Donnybrook. Yeah. Oh, then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Everybody started rushing the field, doing all this. 
Then I looked over the next door to me mm-hmm. was Rick Stockstill and his son. Yeah. We looked at each other. He said, Matt, like, are you going out there in the middle of this? Mm-hmm. I said, man, I ain't, I ain't going on that field because I, I, I don't want to get suspended for the bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> so me and him and his son, we took a seat over there yeah. on the bench and yeah. started watching all this. Yeah. And then next thing I know, Woody Telford and all those guys, his helmet starts flying everywhere. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're going, like, what's going on here? Lots of people were wondering the same thing. Police connected to both schools waded in to try to restore order, but with little effect at first. Because it was a home game, most of the law enforcement there was hired by Clemson, a fact that some South Carolina players, including Senator John Strickland, thought played a role in how the fight was handled. But it seems like it just spread like wildfire, like right. just quick. And it just started going from about, I guess we were around the 40, 45-yard yeah. line, and all of a sudden it just goes from that all the way down to the end zone. It was just like one big line of fighting going on, and it was unstoppable, and <clears throat> state troopers were even pushing each other. Pushing. They were. So one of my good buddies, Glenn Levine, you remember Glenn? I still talk to Glenn every now and then, which I think he does real estate we now. Talk, we talked to him last week sitting right over there. All right, I don't know if he told you this, but Mo Thompson, after they kind of got the fight settled down, you know, Moe's coming back over to the sideline, and one of the cops, you can tell he's a Clemson fan, the cop was, was trying to grab Moe and, like, do something to him. And I watched Glenn shove the other cop. He says, back your ass up. I got this. And grabbed Moe and pulled him over to our sideline. But, I mean, it wasn't just the players. I mean, it was tension with everybody on what side you were. Chuck Levine was the South Carolina State Patrolman charged with protecting Holtz that day. In that role, he couldn't devote all his attention to the fight, but he had a good view of it. He also remembers intervening with another police officer on behalf of Thompson. It was, it was like the length of the football field, probably from about the 35 all the way to the goal, to the way they came down the hill. That's how far it spread it out, you know. Uh, players on Carolinas were getting knocked down and was getting up and was still penetrating, getting to the other side. And I mean, it was really... At, at our level, it was this chaos. Some of the South Carolina players certainly played a role in the issues with law enforcement as well. Yeah, yeah. One tried to snatch me up, man. What happened with that? Said, you know what I'm saying? Cause I want, you know, you know me. Once I turned, I just wanted to turn me down. They're like, man, come on, bro. Them motherfucking charges. I don't care about going to jail at this point. Yeah. And they're trying to push me back, and I, I think I end up pushing pushing one of the officers. I don't know who it was. But I pushed the shit, so they are talking, we're going to arrest you. I said, y'all ain't going to do shit. South Carolina's Jermaine Harris. The police came in, and, um, you know, and this is kind of like when we're almost set it down, we're back on our silent, but they're they're really aggressive with us, really aggressive with us, you know. And you can see Clemson, they're over there jumping around and living their life or whatever, just, you know, having a good time. But the police started, you know, pushing guys, grabbing one of our guys or whatnot, and so it kind of got out of hand with, with the police for a second, you know. Yeah. And Lou Holtz, at the same time, Lou Holtz is trying to maintain his composure and be the, the upstanding guy that Lou Holtz is. You know, Lou Holtz yeah. is trying, trying to maintain this whole situation and, and keep everything under control. But, you know, hey, Lou, you're a great guy, but, you know, nobody, I don't even think they saw Lou as little he's, as he was during this situation. Nah. So, you know. Didn't stand a chance. Yeah, he didn't stand a chance at all. He kind of got swamped up in this situation, you know. And the the police, you know, kind of riled us up a little bit more. Guys were getting, you know, back and forth with the cops, man. And it, and it, it became more 
than just a brawl with Clemson. It became a brawl with Clemson police and whatever authorities were there at that moment. Holtz's first reaction was to send his military man in to stop the fight. Tim Pops Frisbee was a 39-year-old walk-on wide receiver at South Carolina that year. He had joined the team after a 20-year career in the Army. He's yelling at me, hey, get these guys, in. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Tim, you don't dare stop those guys, stop those guys. People running all over the field, yeah. and he's like, he's like, get these guys under control. Holtz eventually went himself, which still makes Goddard laugh. I remember Lou Holtz trying to break it up, and we told Lou, get your little ass out the way. Like, <laughs> Lou, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to die out here. Because I remember him break, trying to break it up, and I picked him up like, Coach, get out the way. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're dealing with dudes like, yeah, like Jonathan Austin is still like the biggest person in Ever in my life, like he was six four, six five, with muscles everywhere, and you got little Lou Holtz like in his armpit somewhere. Like Lou, get out the way. Even Clemson players were worried about Holtz. Hill said it got bananas. You know, y'all um, like Coach Holtz, Lou Holtz was on the field. I was like, yo, they gonna kill this man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you know how big we was back then. Like, then you got all these bigs, and these boys going crazy. Then you know, Yusuf Kelly, Keith Kelly, that. He's strong as an ox. <laughs> and, you know, we all, all everybody out there, so, you know, but weight room out there. For sure, <laughs> so, for sure. And so it was like, it was crazy, man. Just it, it, I couldn't believe what was happening right in front of my eyes, man. Charles Silas, who had stormed on the field without his helmet to join the fight, stopped fighting only when Holtz grabbed him, he said. I know Coach Holtz means me no harm, and he, it was just let up now. Because Hulk Hulk is on the field, everything is dying, dying. Everybody should be safe. None of the peacemakers knew which fight to break up. Because you got this section, the guys who first initiate the fight. We're still here fighting. Then you got the, the turned up cats from the sideline who run on the field who shouldn't be on the field fighting. You know, I don't want to say their names, but you know them, them cats who fighting. And then you got this whole other section of fight that's heading down to the end zone that you like. Them defensive guys, y'all, why y'all even on the field? You know what I'm saying? So you got the guys who on the field fighting. You got the sideline guys who turned up who just wanted to fight just to participate. Mm -hmm. And you got a whole nother crew in the end zone who like, why is y'all even down there fighting? You know what I'm saying? So it was a whole lot of stuff that kind of got blown up so fast, man. Later, Goddard would be worried that his grandmother would see the fight and be embarrassed, he said. But during the fight, he couldn't worry about that. And I know right then the wrong thing was happening. But at that point, now you're in defending mode. Like, I got to defend myself right now. I, I can't worry about my grandma. I'm about to get my butt kicked. Somebody swing a helmet. Somebody doing this. I got to protect my brothers. I can't look like no punk in the locker room. You know, all that. Maybe the best view of the fight was from the coach's box, but it was also the most helpless view. That's where South Carolina's graduate assistant coaches C.J. Fry and Phil Petty watched it all unfold. We'll hear from Fry first and then Petty. And so from upstairs, you can see, you know, their orange wave coming across. Our guys coming on the field, you see all the coaching staffs jump out in front, holding everybody back in different situations, um, and and um, and and so they kept our side from from running out on the field in the majority of the spaces. Well, um, that was on the thirty yard line ish area of you know to where we had seventy yards to go to score a touchdown down toward. The other 30-yard line where the coaches weren't, some of our guys did come off the sideline, and it wasn't very many. So now that orange wave started to surround those little bit of guys that had 
that did not get pushed back by the coaches. And so, you know, we're screaming on the headset, somebody's got to get down there to the other side of the 30 because it's it's becoming a really bad situation. No, it was a full-blown street fight. Um, okay. And there was nothing we could do. I mean, it was, you know, it was, I mean, literally the guys took their headsets off and it was just like, you know, this is not good um, on both both sides. Yeah. yeah. When it came to that deal, it was it was bad for Clemson. It was bad for South Carolina. You know, there's there's nothing good to, to really take out of that. Eventually, the fight simply burned itself out, having exhausted all the participants. The official solution was to call offsetting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on both teams and resume the game, which stunned some of the players. Yeah, it was dumb, man, because they should have just went ahead and just called that game, let it be. The folks was already blow up, blasting us. You know what I'm saying? And you never know what could have happened if you'd have let us back on that field. Nothing did, though, and Clemson finished off a 29-7 victory, its third straight in the series, that left both teams 6-5 and five and bowl eligible to end the regular season. One Gamecock did come away with a souvenir, though, a fitting one considering how much fun Kelly and company had had with a South Carolina helmet. Thompson managed to get a Tigers helmet out of Memorial Stadium and onto South Carolina's team bus, a reminder of one of the most dramatic brawls in college football history. Mo had like some Clemson helmets. I, I, like Mo had like a Clemson drip. Like he had random like stuff to verify his story. Mo on Thompson, the bus. On the bus, Mo had like some Clemson, just like wristbands. Like Mo had all kind of random stuff. Like I'm like, where you get that? Like how do you get that on here? Like I don't. Man, I still got the helmet to this day sitting in my cousin's house in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> What number is in that helmet? Please tell me. It was a, um, um, I got to call him and see, but it's a, um, it was a, uh, one of them fat offensive linemen. I think it was one of them second-string guards that they had. So uh-huh. I snatched that helmet off. I took it with me, kept it with me. I still got it. I still got it to this day. I definitely will send you a picture. I got to get my cousin to send me a picture. Thompson and his teammates on the bus thought they were leaving trouble as they rode home that day. Little did they know they were headed towards another mess. That would be episode six of the fight this episode of the fight was produced created and executed by athletes and artists major shout out to Josh Kendler for the writing major shout out to TK Fowler for sound design and big shout outs to Aaron Myers our chief strategist looking forward to seeing you next episode